1: Hello friends and fellow listeners, thank you so much for joining us for episode 71 of the Laravel News Podcast. I am Jake Bennett and with me is my wonderful co-host with a horrible knee injury, Mr. Michael Dorinda. Michael, how are you, man? I mean, I've been better,
0: but <laughs> I've also been worse. So, Have you? Have you been worse? I'm so, I haven't heard about this. Well, I mean, my knee doesn't hurt anymore.
1: Oh, that's good. I don't, that's good.
0: I don't have full extension of it anymore, but I can, you know, walk on it for to, to some measure of uh, walking. The most pain that I have at the moment is when I have an ice pack on there, and oh, yeah. I didn't have like you're supposed to. You're supposed to wrap the area with like a cloth or a rag or something, and then put the ice pack on it. But I did not have said cloth or rag, so yeah, I was yeah. putting the ice pack directly on my knee. And uh, That's all, yeah, a cold, I can't do Cold that. ice pack gets gets really sore after about twenty minutes, which is yeah, uh, I can't a do that. Recommended amount of time? No,
1: I can't do it to bare skin. It's too much for me. No. It's too painful.
0: No. I was like, eventually, <laughs> by about fifteen minutes, it was starting to, and I'm like, you know, I was getting burns on my knee from from the right. ice pack, and I thought, well I better sort this cloth thing out before I get frostbite <laughs> on my knee and I have to amputate
1: the bottom. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't <laughs> oh, have to gosh. worry about surgery then; I just amputate oh, my yeah. leg. Just cut it off right above the knee. I hear they actually like they always want to try and keep the knee if they can. Like if they have to amputate, they like, always want to amputate below the knee. I don't know. For some reason. Bug like, it's pros- normal to me anyway. Yeah, whatever. Anyway. Anyway, so sorry to hear about that. If anybody wants to send their sympathies to Michael, he accepts nice postcards sent to his P.O. box and uh, get well wishes on Twitter and emails. And with those little e-cards that you can send, you know, that have all the funny little gifts that are whatever. Oh, it's know.
0: still a thing. They used to be, you know, you I don't know. Send Remember they used e-cards. To be, yeah. You I was thinking send about flash today. Yeah.
1: Oh yeah. Once
0: upon a time when you wanted to like put a copy to clipboard button on a website, you yep. had to do it with flash because JavaScript yes, did. didn't really do it. And those were the days.
1: Yeah, they were, yeah, except for now you have like a native API for JavaScript mm. that allows you to do copying straight to the clipboard, which is pretty freaking awesome. Yeah, I figured that, that out maybe easier. last year instead of mm. having to use that little, there's that little plugin for a long time or that little library that allowed you to, you know, that little SWF that just had the copy button or whatever. Yep. That was annoying. Hey, so <laughs> let's let's get into it. We've got, uh, we've got some good stuff to get through here today. Uh, so again, everybody, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, we have no tutorials this month. This week. Yeah. Yeah. We have only packages and news, but we got some cool packages. So let's go ahead and we are gonna start out with safe PHP, which is the tagline here is built in functions rewritten to throw exceptions. I know you've gotten a chance to look at this as have I, why don't you start us out on this one? Talk us through what this uh, project is doing.
0: Yeah, so this is a project by David Negria. And basically, what, what he's done is taken any functions that return false as kind of like error conditions and rewritten them to throw exceptions instead. So, essentially, most PHP core functions have been written before exception handling was added to PHP. Therefore, most PHP functions do not throw exceptions as a matter of backwards compatibility. So they'll just return false. I mean, JSON decode is one of these things where it will return false and right. you've got to call JSON last error and make sure that you know that it returns no error. And then if it does, you can throw an exception.
1: Which is changing um, in 7.3, right?
0: Which is changing in 7.3. Yes. You'll be able to tell it to you'll be able to explicitly tell it via an extra parameter, I think, that you want it to throw an exception instead of just returning false. Yep, yep. So essentially what SafePHP does is redeclare all of the core PHP functions in their own namespace. And the new PHP functions are acting exactly as the old ones, except that instead of returning false, they will throw an exception properly when an error is encountered. The safe functions have the same name as the core PHP functions, but they are in a safe namespace, like literally the string safe. So that'd be slash safe slash JSON underscore decode. So you can import these into your classes uh, or into your code using use function safe slash JSON underscore decode. And that will then allow you to use JSON underscore decode in your code as you would normally. um, And that will then throw an exception, which you can catch and do whatever you need to. I mean it's it's obviously a a manual process you know if you wanted to use this then you can include this library and then use the functions the the, the namespaced functions but you know totally optional if you want to keep rolling with with what we've had all along um, go for that I I mean I I'd certainly like it um, exceptions as a as a mechanism for exceptional circumstances and errors in your application are certainly a better approach in my opinion because that way you know that if it's an exception something actually went wrong rather than juggling whether it's you know is it false or is it null. does null mean or false mean that there's no error or does it mean that you know nothing was returned so exception really draws that line in the sand and makes it crystal clear that if an exception was returned then there was some error encountered in the in the running of your code
1: i'm interested what uh, i haven't looked at the source code but like if he has different exception types for all the different functions you know does he have like a file get contents exception and a json decode exception like or is he just throwing like an exception or a throwable or something or i wonder what he's doing there I, I, i'm interested because i'm um, wondering like if you had a block of this stuff and you just threw a bunch of it in the try you know what i mean and then if you did a catch if you could Mm. specify, right? Like if this is a file get contents exception or if this is a JSON decode exception, right? Because not always do I just, you know, sometimes instead of just doing a single thing inside the try block, you want to actually put like a whole process in the try block. And if anything in there fails, then go ahead and catch that and handle the exception appropriately, right? I'm just curious how those exceptions get returned. Yeah, That's one thing.
0: looks like he has an interface that defines some methods that are on there. On the... Yeah, you know, obviously as an interface does. And it just extends from throwable. So PHP is native throwable. Sure. And there's only a couple in there. So he's got a JSON exception and a curl exception. And then there's just an abstract safe exception. So I don't okay. think there's one for each.
1: Got it. Oh, well, yeah, that's fine. That's fine. I've never seen that use function statement.
0: Yeah, it's relatively new. Um, I think it's PHP seven seven one ish there's a lot of the symphony stuff i think uses it i think it's a general recommendation from somewhere i don't know where i read it but i'd seen it somewhere that even the the php global functions like the native php functions you should import inside so if you're if you're doing writing some object oriented code you should actually import the function rather than just assuming it's going to come from the global namespace so you yeah, will use use function and then you know, whatever.
1: Yeah, it's kind of interesting. Like, so, especially if you're in a project where you're not aware if this particular function or whatever is coming from like a helper's file or if it's coming from, you know, PHP native and it's just something that you've never seen or whatever. So, it's kind of cool that you have like... I mean, it's
0: certainly handy in terms of like Laravel has got a lot of helper functions and it'd be good to put them into like an Illuminate namespace. And then you wouldn't have to worry about collisions with use user you know my application or your application conflicting with some string helper or something inside laravel framework because laravel would use it from its own namespace and that way you could also have it in your code um, and then you could import both functions and use them independently without having to worry about the collisions yep yep no that makes good sense More okay the, uh, let's move on a laravel 5.8 thing
1: yeah there we go I kinda of like just using the global namespace because I don't like I mean I like not having to put the use statement at the top, but whatever.
0: But uh whatever. you're uh you're already uh, pretty pretty lazy and you can just use your IDE to do that, you know, type That's it what in, I do. in. Yeah, I mean I do or right, insert.
1: Yeah right now I just yeah, just command click and it knows global namespace, go look at that thing. Mm-hmm. So no yep. big deal. So Laravel Mail Viewer is a package by Harris Toshnawal that enables us to view all of the mailables in your Laravel package in one place. Um, so they have a good screenshot here, and it just shows all mails, and then you can click on each one of them. Kind of gives you a, a preview window of the mail uh, of the mailable that's rendered. So there's a simple configuration file that you can set up. And pretty simple to install. But I know for instance, like I have a junior dev working on a couple of things today. And I basically said like, hey, I want you to convert these over to uh, Markdown mailables, like the, all the stuff that we had. And so he was trying to figure out a way to be able to view those without actually having to send them through mail hog or Mailcatcher or whatever. Right. And uh, a package like this would allow him to just be able to kind of click through, see each one. Now, one question I do kind of have, which I don't know, is like if you needed to pass through a user or something like that to the particular mail that you're going to be rendering or Mm -hmm. like a particular record that you're going to be sending through to render. I wonder how this handles that.
0: Well, there's a configuration file or a configuration example file in the post that we'll link up on. The, oh, I the show yep. notes and you can basically cool. just say for your order so for example you've got an order shipped mailable you could just literally pass in a factory so you would go new order shipped factory order colon colon class create and pass that into your order shipped so you could you know just use a factory to to create a user I mean, in terms of if this is a live application, I probably would use make over create because you don't want to have to right. you know, start polluting your database, your production database with, with factory data just to preview oh, available. mailable. Yeah. That's a good point. Um, so, I mean, that, that that would probably be my only recommendation and maybe someone wants to submit a PR.
1: Unless it does it to, in a transaction or something. Maybe it actually does it in a transaction. Maybe it renders Perhaps. it out and then rolls back. I don't know. Perhaps maybe someone wants to do that it is it is uh
0: hacktoberfest
1: at the moment so. it is that does seem a little bit odd right that you you just use create instead of make yeah you're going to want to use make the only thing I mean, is you can like restricted for environments as well and it okay.
0: recommends using local staging and testing um yeah that makes bots, sense so. i
1: mean that makes sense I, th- I think the other thing with like make is that if you're referencing like relationships mm-hmm. i don't think you can use make because it uses the query builder to kind of build out that relationship. Yeah. So, anyway, but it's, I mean, it's super cool package. I will probably have my junior install this tomorrow mm. and try this out. It's pretty cool. Cause, you know, That's it's cool. like when you're doing that, you're going to, every time it's like you have to create that route. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. 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 Like it seems like every time you're kind of going to make a mailable, you kind of make this like I, I always go in like route colon colon any. And then test, and then yeah. pass a closure, yep. and then you know set it all up and what that whatever. That would be really nice, kind of just as for the dev environment to be able to see all those mailables. That would actually be really nice. I think Spatie has something like this, actually.
0: Yeah, I mean, I assume it's just a wrapper around um, the so Laravel does have this functionality out of the box, but you have to, as you say, specify a route and, and and do all that kind of stuff in there. Whereas this is just a shortcut for that process. It will just list out all of the mailables that you've configured so that they can be previewed at any time right in your browser. So hey, we always, we all like things being made easier for us.
1: Uh, okay, so this is just kind of an add-on. This isn't in here, uh, this this isn't in the news this week, but just kind of as an add-on to this, um, Mohammed Saeed, who is Laravel employee number one, also has a, a package out there called Laravel Mail Preview Driver. Uh, so it introduces a new preview mail driver for Laravel that will select uh, that when it's selected, it will render the content of the sent email and save it as an HTML and a .EML file. And that might be interesting if you're needing to look at it in like Outlook or something like that, I suppose. Mm, yeah. uh, like if it saves it as an EML file, you could just pop it open in Outlook. So anyway, there's a free one for you. Uh, anyway, this package looks super cool, this Laravel mail viewer. So thank you very much, Harish. Harish. For all the hard work you put in there, I will definitely be using this one. Okay, let's move on. We have ImageUp. Why don't you talk to us about that?
0: So Laravel ImageUp is a package by Mod Saquib Ansari. I assume Mod is an abbreviation for Muhammad, which provides auto image uploads, resizing, and cropping for Laravel eloquent models using the Intervention Image package. So using this package is as easy as adding a trait to an eloquent model and defining all the images that need to be stored in the database for that model. So when you save the model, it will automatically upload the images, it will store the paths in the database and it will update existing paths while even cleaning up, deleting old images. And there are lots of configuration options for the image fields property for handling the upload and resize options. So. We will link this one up in the show notes and check it out if that's something that you want to do. I suppose it's like a lighter weight version of Spassi's Media Library.
1: Yeah, that sounds right. Uh, Spassi's Media Library is like, you know, on steroids, right? It's got everything. Mm-hmm. As, uh, as Fred demonstrated at Laracon this year in Chicago... It's, you know, it can generate responsive uh, source set images, image stuff for you. It can generate like a blurred SVG preview sort of stuff. I mean, it just does all sorts of awesome, cool stuff for you. But this one, like you said, maybe a little bit lighter version that is...
0: Yeah, if you don't need all that extra functionality and you just want something that's going to handle the uploads and basic resizing, then this would probably be a, a good option for you. You know, obviously be mindful of whether or not you might need that stuff in the future. I know we talk a lot about not prematurely optimizing and things like that, but if there's a chance you're going to need to have the source set stuff and you want to have the extra functionality that the media library stuff has in the future, it might be easier to start with that rather than trying to implement this and then upload, uh, sorry, and then switch
1: to the media library later. Absolutely. Yeah, cool package though. Thank you, Mohammed uh okay what's the next package we got here we got excel export for nova so this is a pretty cool one we've actually talked about this a couple different times on the show laravel excel which i think is i just saw a couple of people tweeting about this recently it just hit uh version 3.0 oh, and actually nope not just i think it actually hit version 3.1 recently 3. for 1, some reason yeah yeah, yeah. So we talked about it in March uh, when it hit 3.0, but it just hit 3.1. So it uh, now has a package that can be integrated into Nova. And what it does, uh, then does is it allows you to, in your uh, actions on any particular table, you can download an Excel file of the selected items that you have. So you go into your Nova dashboard, you go to the resource that you want to uh Navigate through, let's say your users table, uh, maybe you do a filter on them and then you click the select all button and then you click download Excel. Now I know like for me, I have a set of users that are, that I'm developing a system for right now who absolutely will want this right? To be able to download something into an Excel sheet so that they can then further manipulate the data and do their V lookups in their pivot tables and all that other stuff that they know how to do so that I don't have to build custom reports for everything. Although Nova still makes that, you know, incredibly easy. Uh, Sometimes people just want to be able to manipulate the data on their own. Uh, So this is huge. This is really, really nice that it just uh, that they have that action provided now, not something you have to roll on your own. And it's as easy as just pulling it in and dropping it straight into Nova. So thanks very much everyone who works on that matt website is the creators of laravel excel i think yeah Yeah,
0: i believe it's patrick his name is okay just just on this and you know we talked about the underlying laravel excel package that this is built as an extension of i had to use that at work the other day and it i don't believe it was available in version two but version three also handles excel imports and it has made my life so incredibly easy because you can basically tell it to import. You give it a, a class that looks kind of like an eloquent resource and you tell it how to map a row from the spreadsheet to an eloquent model or to a collection and it will just it'll just do it for you. You don't have to worry about building all of the reading CSVs and all of the wacky stuff that we've had to do in the past. You know, you give it an Excel file, give it a CSV or whatever. It'll handle chunked, uploads, uh, chunked inserts. It'll handle chunk uh, sorry streaming streamed reads so only read you know if you've got a really big excel file it'll only read like a hundred rows at a time it'll handle chunked inserts so it would only insert you know it'll do a hundred at a time in a single insert so you don't run out of
1: memory yeah
0: yeah so you don't run out of memory you know loading up arrays and then trying to insert them all it works really quickly and as i said it's, it's basically just an eloquent resource so you have a two model method and it just returns And an eloquent model. So you do return new user and you map the the rows from the the spreadsheet into your database fields and off it goes. So it saved me so much time on this on this project that that I used it in the other day. So yeah, it's it's a really helpful thing. The only thing it doesn't do is it doesn't really handle related records. So if I've got you know an Excel spreadsheet that's got like 30 rows and I want to split some of that out into a related record, I'd have to do two imports. Of the sure. same spreadsheet, but you know, I don't, don't know necessarily what the solution to that is, but it's, it's saved me so much time. It doesn't really matter because I can just run the import twice and, and insert into two different tables.
1: Yeah. You're totally right in that it is, has been in the past, such a headache to have to deal with Excel sheets. Like you're, I mean, even like that, um, order, Mark character, if you ever had to deal with that, the bomb mm-hmm. BOM, mm-hmm. You know what I am talking about, so like, just depending on like, or um, just different character. I don't even know what it is. Like, if the there is like endings and, and yeah, endings yeah, yeah, and things yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so I know it's always been one of those things where it's like, eh, if it's an Excel file versus like just a regular plain CSV file, it can just be painful. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah. yeah, thanks for the thanks for the team there putting that together for us and making this super easy to uh, use in Nova as well. We then have this view. Rich text editor framework, which is called TipTap. Have you gotten a chance to look at this, Michael?
0: I looked at it very briefly and I quickly decided I don't have anywhere to use it, so I'm not going to keep looking at it. But it's a it's a it's a renderless and extendable rich text editor for Vue written by Philip Kuhn. So React has something similar called slate.js. TipTap aims to be that style of framework for Vue. And the README explains that Philip was looking for a text editor for Vue and found some solutions that didn't satisfy him. The editor should be easy to extend and not based on old dependencies such as jQuery. For React, there's already obviously Slate.js. It's very modular, it's extendable, you can add your own bits and pieces to it. So there is a library called ProseMirror, which this tip tap extends from. ProseMirror is a toolkit for building rich text editors that are already in use at many well known companies such as Atlassian or the New York Times. So, yeah, built on top of Praise Mirror, which is a toolkit for building rich text editors. So we've got a, a toolkit for a toolkit. Um, and under the hood, you store data as raw HTML or as JSON serializable, you know, representation of your document. And uh, if it's something that you've ever wanted, I know for a long time it was, you know, really hard and there was things like Redactor, which, which you had to pay for. You know, we've got, I think it's, is it Tink or Tinks or whatever it is from
1: tricks is it what it's called tricks, tricks from yep. Basecamp. camp yep. you got tricks from and you got uh there's one other one too i think it's quill quill js This quill huh. and
0: i saw another one recently that's used in that there was a nova package for it not too long ago
1: yeah so i'm trying to see which one i, I do which wonder which one uh nova uses because it has a it has one doesn't it i think it's tricks i think it is I think it does use tricks. I'm wondering with Quill, I don't know. I don't think it uses, I don't think it uses jQuery, but Quill is a cool one too. I think what I really like about this one is it's renderless, which essentially means that you can, you know, do whatever you want.
0: Yeah. In terms of displaying it.
1: Yeah. In terms of displaying it, right. You're really not locked in at all. You can use everything exactly as you want. And uh, I think after listening to some full stack radio episodes with Adam Wath and just talking about these renderless components and then going through his advanced Vue.js course, anytime I'm looking for a component anymore, I'm really looking for the renderless versions uh, Mm -hmm. because it just gives me full and complete control and I don't have to work around what they've got set up already. Yeah. I can just use the behavior as I need, and then just render it however the heck I want. So that's what yeah. I really love about this is like if all I want to use is just an alignment, like I just like give me left align, middle align, or right align, I can do that, no problem. Like if I want to have like a popover menu bubble when I select some text, and then be able to bold it or italicize it, or like I can just do that. Like you can use any pieces that you want, or all of it. And they've got demos available for you at tiptap.scrumpy.io so you can see basically all the different possibilities that you'd want and then they have the code there for you. So, you know, maybe some some of the downfalls with like renderless components is that maybe some people don't know where to start. Or like, well, what if I just want like kind of like the default implementation of it? how do I do that? Right. Mm-hmm. And a lot of these in the documentation will maybe provide kind of like a default implementation for you. But this tip tap does that for you in spades. Right. They, they have like all the different possible options that you might want here. So it's really, really awesome. If you are looking for a, um, you know, a rich text editor uh, and you happen to be a view fan, which a lot of us are, I would uh, definitely check this out. Yeah, so thanks, Philip, uh, for working on that. It's amazing.
0: There are so many error trackers on the market, Jake, and they're all the same. But do you know which one is best? Honey Badger is best. And do you know why? Contrary to popular belief, Honey Badger do care. Honey Badger is the only error monitoring platform which can alert you about not only your exceptions, but also about things like AWS, Google and Azure going down, critical jobs and services going missing, SSL and TLS certificates expiring, web servers crashing, DNS fails. the list goes on and on and on and on. So Honey Badger is not new but it is new to Laravel. Honey Badger is an integrated monitoring system for Laravel apps and the integration has been made by our very good friend, TJ Miller. He's been working very hard to bring the specific Laravel integration to us from scratch. So you might have used other exception tracking softwares. Tracking exceptions is great. It alerts you to your user errors before your users alert you to those errors. And it helps you get context around what those exceptions are and how to fix them rather than the vague reports that we've all received from our users. So the best part about Honey Badger is fixing errors before your users have a chance to complain about them. But not only is there exception tracking, there's uptime monitoring. It'll ping your apps and API endpoints externally and alerts you when they're down or configured incorrectly. Think of it like Pingdom or ODIR, but for apps and APIs. And on top of that, there's also check-in monitoring. So Laravel gives you the ability to ping a URL when you run a scheduled task. This will tell you if that ping failed. So know when your scheduled tasks and background jobs go missing or silently fail. And we've all been there. Jake, you've been there.
1: Oh my gosh, way too often.
0: As I said, Honey Badger is new to Laravel and they're super excited to get involved. You can check them out at honeybadger.io slash four slash Laravel, where you can pick yourself up a 15 day free trial and be sure to let us know what you think thanks to honey badger for sponsoring the show.
1: Hey, so speaking of honey badger, it looks like we have a new honey badger package for Nova. So there's been a ton of packages obviously that have come out for Nova. Well, we need to come up with a name for Marcel Posiat. So like Paul Redmond is everyone's favorite human, Marcel Possiat has got to be something.
0: Marcel is kind of like a Laravel package bot, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, I think that's a good He just yeah. he just
0: manufactures these packages so quickly and so frequently
1: i don't want to step on uh you know frake's territory over here but uh I mean, they're both, they're obviously, they're both doing good stuff. But yeah, Marcel has, who's the creator of Botman. So we'll just call him the, the package bot. Anyway, he has built Honey Badger for Laravel Nova, which is a custom resource tool to add Honey Badger error tracking output to Laravel Nova. So this allows you to get really easy access to all your error tracking information uh, associated with specific users in your application straight in your Nova dashboard. So that's pretty awesome. So, so every exception that happens while a user is logged in is tracked to that specific user ID. And again, you can just kind of see that as a custom resource tool over on the sidebar. So really cool. Thanks, uh, Marcel, for putting that together. And uh, thanks, HoneyBadger, for making such an amazing tool. Now we've got LogFake.
0: LogFake. I know the guy that made this. He's coming to Laracon.
1: Okay, so you know what? You know what? I don't know why you would do this, mind you. You, okay, you say that, right? You say that. I got in a fight about this. I got in a fight about this one time. So I actually wrote and I, so TJ Miller, let's just go there. We're dropping into this one. TJ Miller, a while ago, I was, uh, we were hanging out on our channel and he had sent over some tests and he was doing some assertions that certain logs were getting put into the log. Right. So I was like, Oh, that's pretty interesting. I think I'm going to try that. So I did it. So I basically, I don't even remember how I did it at the time but I was checking to make sure that the logs were containing the information that I needed. And I remember I showed my other developer I was so excited. I was like, "Hey, check this out like I can test to make sure the logs are happening like I thought this is pretty cool." And he's like, "Why would you ever do that?" Yeah. Why why would you ever care, right? So let's let's hear your side of it, Michael. Why would you why would you, why do you think that's a waste of time?
0: Why would you? You're testing code that you don't own. And we know we all know that you don't don't test what you don't own. You just assume that the tests from the framework for the logging component will guarantee that the logging works such that when you call log, like you just assume that it's going to work. It's not, the only time it's not going to work, the only time it's not going to work is if you can't write to the log file.
1: I'm not testing the log. That's going to blow up. I'm testing the side effects of my code, which is calling the log. I know, I, I see you shaking your head no, but really here's the deal, right? Listen to me. At the end of the day, Tests are for the developer, right? Yeah. Tests are for the developer. So I'll give you the example of like what the situation was that I was dealing with. So I was calling a third party API and if it failed or if I got back this certain sort of XML response, I was throwing an exception and within the report of this custom exception because you now have report and render on these Mm -hmm. exceptions, right? And if you have a report Mm -hmm. method, you can handle the report right in there. Well, in that report method, I was also, I was also uh, spitting out to the log a specific type of error message, right? And it was using a couple different pieces of the components of the, of the exception. And at the end of the day, like I just wanted some extra confidence that those, were, that those were going through, right? I just wanted to be able to like test and be like, okay, yeah, the string looks right in my test. And if it gets changed or like if it's not working, and it was pretty much, it was like TDD style, right? So I'm like, eh, just, I just want to test to make sure the log is actually doing what it's supposed to be doing. So that was my scenario, and I wanted the confidence to be able to say yes, that's happening, or it's looking correct. Is that still invalid? What do you think?
0: Well, I mean, if you really have to,
1: I don't have to. Like that's the thing, I didn't have to, but I but wanted it's like it's a log, right? I like, wanted yeah,
0: but the, I know you say that the test makes sure that you know it gives the developer confidence, but it gives the developer confidence that the application works for its users. If a log entry doesn't get written, does it still work for the user? Cuz you've tested that the exception was thrown, like you're expecting the exception Correct. in certain scenarios, and so you, you you your test makes an assertion that that exception was thrown. But then you're writing tests based on the content of of a message that gets logged and if that like does the content of that message changing really affect the the
1: experience for your user does
0: does the message changing from one thing to another mean that that test fails
1: well in some senses like depending on the way i wrote my test yes it does and i don't know if that i don't know if i agree with that i don't know if i agree that the testing is only for the developer to know that the user experience is correct like for me i don't know like especially if i'm doing like tdd style sort of thing like if i say like hey i want this log to be written and i want it to be written in this way read right fails doesn't work green get it to actually do that log and then refactor whatever mm. and then i'm just going to leave that test in there or you could blow it away doesn't matter right like if you're just using the test to kind of help make sure that you're getting done what you need to get done and then like if you say at the end of that like once you've got the confidence that it actually is working right now then you can just say if it changes in the future i don't care like mm. i just needed it to actually get to the point of like where i was comfortable with it that's fine but that's that kind of brings us into like what we're talking about with this package right so some people mm-hmm. might say that this, this package is, is unnecessary, but I, I, can see, I can see scenarios where it'd be helpful. So talk to me yeah. about it. What is this? So
0: this package is by Tim McDonald. And like many of, the, function, many of the, the facades that we have in Laravel, event, mail, you can now fake the log. So in your tests, you can do a log colon colon swap and provide a log fake. And then it will allow you to then assert against the logger in order to determine whether or not a certain type of message so whether it was an alert or if it was a critical message or something like that and you can even make an assertion against the message itself so you could determine that the message contained a certain string you could look at the context which is the the second parameter that you pass through which is an array of of keys and values for things that you are passing as extra contact context for that message so i mean I wouldn't use it. This was originally submitted as a pull request to the framework and Taylor decided he didn't want to uh, incorporate it into the framework and then have to maintain that. But as it is a package, if you if you do want to use it, then it's certainly available there and we'll link it up in the show notes for you.
1: It's kind of cool too that like now that we have log stacks... So like if you're pushing to Bugsnag or pushing to Sentry or pushing to Honey Badger, our favorite, you can, you can say like specifically in your test here that the log stack that it's being pushed to is the thing that you're checking against. So you can say log stack Honey Badger, assert logged or assert critical or whatever, right? So that's kind of interesting too. So, hey, I'm going to leave it up to the developers, right? Like sharp knives and we want to play with stuff. We leave our sharp knives at the counter. That's what you said the other day, right? That's right. Not that this is really a sharp knife. It's just an extra tool. Yeah. This is an extra tool in your tool belt.
0: That's right. Hey, speaking of sharp knives, Uh typed properties are coming to PHP (laughs) 7.4.
1: Alright, let's talk about it.
0: So the Type Properties two point RFC was accepted with a vote of seventy in favor and one no vote, and a two-third majority is required to to approve or to basically approve the request because this is a language change. So the type property change is a PHP seven point four proposal, so it'll come in the next version. With the introduction of scalar types and return types, PHP 7 greatly increased the power of PHP's type system. However, it is currently not possible to declare types for class properties, forcing developers to use getter and setter methods instead of, instead to enforce type contracts. This requires unnecessary boilerplate, makes usage less ergonomic, and hurts performance. This RFC resolves this issue by introducing support for first-class property type declarations. So where previously you would de- de- declare a private ID... And then if you wanted to make sure that that was an integer, you would pass it in your constructor. And then you would ensure that using type hints in your constructor, the ID was was actually an integer and you would assign that to the ID. And then to prevent access to uh, the property itself, you would have like a get ID method. And then you would make sure that that returns an, int, uh, an integer value using an integer return type hint. Essentially what this allows you to do is to make those properties public. And then you can define them as int or string for example, so you'd have a public int ID and then you don't have to worry about having the getters and setters because PHP will handle the safety and the and the type of that property itself. So you could make it public, you could write an ID to a value to that ID value or the ID property directly and PHP would then handle making sure that that was an integer.
1: Yeah, so, so I think, you know, For those who are doing that, the ergonomics certainly does seem much better, right? If you're going to declare something as private and then do your type checking in a getter, uh, or I'm sorry, in a setter, and then since you have it as a private uh, property, you have to have the getter in place as well. Mm -hmm. If that's something you're interested in doing, then this certainly does solve that problem really well for you.
0: It certainly shortcuts it at least. Again, we talked about with and at the top of the show about making things, or sorry, the mail viewer, Making things easier for the developer. So, if this is something that, that you're doing, you know, you're, you're putting type hints into your application, it certainly cuts out boilerplate. It means you don't have to put all those extra doc blocks in. It means you can type in your properties and you can get rid of all these getter and setter methods that we need in PHP, well, we have needed in PHP up until now.
1: Yeah. So, what are the things that could be, because uh, I know there was a lot of people who, there was a kind of a, like a bit of, a bit of an outcry about this, right? So uh, let's let's talk specifically uh, about that. So one of the things that you ran into recently was, and I don't know that this necessarily affects it directly what you are talking about, but the situation you had is you were implementing a contract, right? And mm-hmm. the contract specified on one of the methods, like there was a return type of integer on the mm-hmm. uh, on the method, right? And so if you were going to implement that contract. You and the method that you were using to, the, the method that you were creating had to match the declaration in the contract, right? So you also had to use a return type in. So while everybody Correct. says, hey, this is optional, this is optional, nobody has to use it. The argument on the other side is unless I'm using a package that uses it in which case I have to now clutter up my code using what you specified you wanted, right? So yeah. that's that's the argument argument here.
0: Yeah, I mean, especially when we don't have type hints elsewhere in in the application and you've suddenly got one place where you're using a, a third-party interface or a third-party contract that does implement it, Well, now, now you've got to put that in in that one place and it looks, you know, I'm not going to go and update the existing code base to use type hints everywhere, but I've also got now this one place that's using type hints and nowhere else. So,
1: so you know, so um, interfaces or, or contracts, whatever we want to call them, right? I don't think mm-hmm. those can. I don't think those can specify properties. No, only methods, right? So this doesn't directly affect that. However, if a class is type hinting a property as a specific class of their own that is a contract that you have to then extend or, or implement, right? Then you're back to the same problem, I suppose. Mm-hmm.
0: Actually, that that's not entirely true. You, I don't. I think the contract or the interface can specify a property, but it may be not a value. I don't, I don't know. If, I don't know off the top of my head. I don't remember Someone will correct me.
1: Yep. Someone will tell us. Anyway, that's the two sides of it. We won't spend too much more time on it. I know that everybody has an opinion and that's totally fine. You are welcome to have your opinions. We support you. That's right. Go go argue on Twitter or don't. Just just keep it to yourself. It doesn't matter. Do what you want. <laughs> that's right. Okay. Uh, Let's talk about Hacktoberfest 2018. So Hacktoberfest, this is the year, this is the fifth year. So for those of you who are new to Hacktoberfest, this is a month-long festival of supporting and contributing to open source. So the way that it works is uh, you need to sign up first. And then once you've signed up, you have to make at least five pull requests to any public GitHub project in the month of October. They do not have to be approved. They do not have to be pulled in. They just have to, you just have to have five pull requests to any public GitHub project. If you do that and you are one of the first 50,000 people to do so, you will receive a special Hacktoberfest t-shirt. So it's open to everybody in the global community and you can sign up anytime between October 1st and October 31st. So if you haven't done it yet, you're not too late. You can still get in there, but you do have to be one of the first 50,000. So they upped that from last year because last year there was uh I think 30,000 that they allowed, uh the first 30,000. So they almost doubled it. Uh so
0: 50,000
1: is a lot of t-shirts. That is a lot of t-shirts. I mean, think about that. Let's see. Yeah, I mean, you're talking like, okay, so what's the cheapest you can get a t-shirt for, right? I mean, like, I, I don't know. Did you get one of the t-shirts last year?
0: I did get one last year, yeah.
1: Was it pretty decent quality?
0: I, think they, I mean, they're not cheap t-shirts. They're the nice you Know Bella and Canvas style, you know, that really soft man. So, I, don't I can't know imagine if that, I mean, like, or if one of the tri blends.
1: Here's the deal like, is, what's the cheapest you could get that for if you ordered them like in a quantity of 50,000? Right? Like, what's the cheapest you could get that for?
0: Well, I mean, the, the more you buy, the cheaper it gets generally. And sure, it depends, you know, if it's if it's you know one color or two color. Or four color, the like number of colors that the print is. I, I speak from experience because I just ordered a bunch of these for Larry Yeah. So
1: I'm thinking like between five and seven bucks, right? Would be no, like it'd be less than that. You think so? Yeah. Well, let's say because here's the deal: you've got you've got buying of the t shirt, printing of the t shirt, shipping of the t shirt. Shipping would be what, the big one. You don't think that's, that's going to be at least five bucks? I mean, that has got to be at least five bucks on average, which is a quarter of a million dollars that they're spending on this. So. Yeah. It's pretty cool. So thank you, GitHub. It's pretty cool. Happy hacking, everyone. Get out there, go support open source, and earn a limited edition T-shirt. There you go. Okay, what else have we got? Uh, Laravel five point seven mail localization improvements. Mister Aussie man, talk to me. Aussie,
0: Aussie, Aussie.
1: Oi, oi, oi. We've got another McDonald here. Did I do it right? We've got another McDonald.
0: That's. uh Did I do I, it right? I, I don't. Aussie, you did the oi, oi, oi right. It was very I well did. done. Fair income. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just as a side note there's like i was very disappointed that you didn't know what a sook was a
1: sook yeah so you don't know what a sook you said today in our chat like uh a bunch of sooks whatever whatever so i googled it and it's a female crab or right. i looked it up yeah. on, on spotlight and you're like um not what it may not what it means so you had to go to the uh the most dangerous spot to find a definition <laughs> in the world Urban uh, Dictionary. Urban Dictionary. You never know what you're going to find on there. So, But it did okay. provide the, the proper context. And I can't remember yep. what it said it was. It's some it's Aussie slang, slang.
0: Basically, yeah. If someone's having a sook, they're having a whinge, they're complaining.
1: Okay. It's a bunch of complainers. Okay. All right. Gotcha. All the complainers is what you're trying to say. Anyway. Yeah. Localization.
0: Anyway. Unrelated. Uh, unrelated. So, we've got another McDonald. I don't know if this McDonald, Derek McDonald, is related to Tim McDonald. Different, but he ha- has included a bug fix. No, he's included a big improvement in Laravel 5.7.7 7 to mail localization. So the Illuminate Notifications notification class started offering a locale method in Laravel 5.7 to set the desired language. So the application will change in its into this locale when the notification is being formatted and then revert back to the previous locale when formatting is complete. So for example, you would set in your application itself, you might use locale of US, but you might want to send a notification to a user based on their locale. So for example, if you had someone purchasing something from Spain, you might set the locale for the notification itself to ES for Espana. Now with Laravel 577, you can take this a step further and hook directly into the user model in a typical application where you might have a locale field on the user table. You can now define the user model with a preferred locale function. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Wow. That's pretty neat. So you wouldn't. So this way, you wouldn't have to do it for each time you call user notify. It would be inferred from the model that extends a has locale preference, or sorry, implements a has locale preference contract. So this allows each of your users to set their own locale, and then it's up to you, obviously, as the developer, to to present translations for the different locales that you support but for those of you that are supporting multiple locales this is probably going to be a very welcome change it's going to make your life much easier in terms of localizing your your email notifications
1: yeah it looks super cool too I mean this is a great idea I've never you know I think I'm pretty spoiled in that a lot of the stuff I do doesn't really have to deal with this. Um, yeah, I've I'm had to there. help. I've helped. I've had to help localize like one site, and it is quite painful. But we didn't. I didn't even think about localizing the emails that went out from there. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Pretty good idea. Yeah, awesome. All right. Next up, we have mental health and stress, and I'm going to let you take this one because you kind of you're probably going to close out the show for us here. We've got uh, all right. You know what? Maybe I should talk about the mental health and stress, and then you can, uh, and then you yeah, can kind of go for it. There? Yeah, yeah, okay. So, um, Paul Redmond, everybody's favorite human, kind of uh, gives a little bit of a a break from the code here and talks about mental health and stress. So he talks about personal health and really how he's been pushing, pushing, pushing a lot lately, and and kind of realized at one point that he had slipped into work mode where he was basically always thinking about work. And I'm sure we've all yeah. found ourselves in this space where it's family. It's dinner time. it's chores, we're putting kids to bed, and we're just the entire time, we're just thinking about solving that problem that we left at work, but we never really left at work. And so he basically talks about how this, you know, eventually this really kind of ensnares you into this vicious cycle of of stress upon stress upon stress, and it eventually just takes a toll on you and, and, can, and can really be stressful for not only you, but for your family and, and the people who are around you, right? So he just is encouraging us to slow down and, you know, if you want to take on side jobs, that's that's totally fine. But you know, make sure you keep things balanced. So uh, it's just a good it's a good read here. He has a couple articles that he's linked at the end, talking about work shutdown rituals, rules for focus, success in a distracted world, essentialism, the disciplined pursuit of less. Uh, so he has a couple different you know tips here and uh, and just encourages uh, you to take care of yourself and take it easy. So. Thank you, Paul. Uh, that was really, really a good read, and hopefully uh, things are slowing down for him, my friend.
0: Yeah, and and importantly, and and he finishes off his post. Spend time on a hobby. Spend time with your family. Close the laptop by 6 p.m. Take care of yourself, and most importantly, slow down. So, and I've I've come to this realization with having Eli now that, and I've I've lost a hobby because I can't play basketball anymore. So, getting an extra two nights a week to spend time with Eli and spend time with my wife and like night times you know we come home from work we have dinner we watch tv for a bit but come sort of seven seven thirty eight o'clock tv goes off spend time with eli you know just wind him down for for bed and things like that so mental health is is something that's important to everyone it affects everyone whether you know you directly or people that you know a lot of people hide it a lot of people you won't know you know you, you might think they're doing fine and and they present to you as being fine. And we have these things uh, the world over. I don't know uh, if it's something that you have over there, Jake, but we have uh, Are You Okay Day, hmm. um, which, which may be is. specific to Australia, um, where you know it's run by uh, Beyond Blue, which is a, a mental health organisation in Australia. And uh, you know, I mean, the crux of it is to to ask people to reach out to people. Are you okay? because sometimes that's all it, you know, that's all it is, you know, not everyone's going to want to talk about it. A lot of people don't, but you know, it's important that that you reach out to your friends and your family and just check in on them every now and then. But, but on that, um, Ed Finkler and Joe Ferguson are two people within uh, our community or the greater PHP community and the tech community as a whole that that run an organization called OSMI, so Open Sourcing Mental Illness. And being that it is uh, at the time of this recording, World Mental Health Day, and with Laracon Australia coming up next week from, from when this recording comes out, I just wanted to to let everyone know that, that we're going to be running a, a raffle at Laracon, and all of the proceeds from that raffle will go to to open sourcing mental illness. So uh, I really hope that people can, can get behind that. For those of you that are attending, for those of you who aren't attending, uh, we'll put a link in the show notes where... Obviously, the organization would greatly appreciate your your contributions, anything that, that you're willing and able to donate to them to, to help the work that they're doing in, you know, helping to reduce the stigma and really understand what mental illness is and and helping people with their mental health and well-being. So we will have prizes. Uh, it's not it's not a blind raffle or, you know, just the donation drive. It's that there, there will be prizes. We're going to have four different prizes that are, I will keep under my hat for the time being but we will we'll announce that to our attendees early next week so yeah i mean as i said it's it's something that affects all of us whether directly or indirectly through friends and family Uh, but it's always something that that i try and keep in mind because i i mean i'm very fortunate myself but there's been people close to me that have suffered from various mental health problems in the past and and even ongoing so check it out As I said, the the link will be in the show notes and and make sure you do all do your best to look out for yourselves and for each other.
1: Yeah, I I will say that I've heard some really good talks on this actually. Uh, Greg Boggs is a awesome developer uh, working for Team Twilio and he has some really good talks on uh, developers and depression. And I do think like depression and mental health really is something that developers in particular struggle with. I don't know exactly the science behind it but I know it's it's true that uh, kind of a larger percentage of developers struggle with mental health than than other professions. So, yeah, I, I would I would encourage you to watch Craig Bogg's talk. We'll we'll link it up and he has a a whole kind of listing on his site just about developers depression, how to find a psychiatrist, ADHD meds, you know, bipolar, different things like that. And and Greg's just a super gregarious and awesome guy, uh, easy to listen to, really insightful. So, so yeah, there's that. I think that yeah. wraps it up for today, man. It does indeed. All right. Thank you everyone so much for listening to episode 71. We are so glad to have you with us here on the show. If you liked the show, find show notes for this episode at laravel-news.com slash podcast slash 71. Feel free to reach out, out to us on Twitter, Michael Dorinda, Jacob Bennett, or Laravel News. We'd always love to hear feedback and questions you might have for following shows. And uh, of course, as always, if you like the show, we would really appreciate it if you rated us up in iTunes. Five stars would be great. Thanks so much, everyone. We will see you in two weeks. Adya.